Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Death in Cambodia, Life in America. Today, we have a very, very special guest, my wonderful Auntie Amanda. And going back, so you guys remember when Robert mentioned how my grandma had to hide one sibling away from the Khmer Rouge out of fear that that child would get taken away? Well, this is her. This is my Auntie Amanda. She and Robert had crossed paths many, many times throughout this journey. And I'm so excited to have her on today. Throughout Robert's story, she's going to kind of weave in and out of the story so that we can get some of her perspective of that time frame and it kind of easily aligned with Robert's story as well. But more importantly, today we're going to introduce her and she's going to be able to shed some light on what life was like in the camps where my grandmother was also in hiding. I also want to point out that this episode was really hard for my Auntie Amanda to get through. This was the first time, again, that she has traveled back to that time period and really had to kind of pull these memories out. So, Auntie Amanda, if you're listening, I appreciate you sitting down. I'm sure all the listeners do. I think her perspective is very important. I think there probably were a lot of kids out there who had to be in hiding, and um, that in itself is a very different experience. So, thank you, Amanda. I love you, and I appreciate you. All right, guys. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Death in Cambodia, Life in America. Today, we have a very special guest here with us. Um, This is my Auntie Amanda, and she is going to put in her experiences and her memories of the time from a different perspective. So, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Great to be here. Yes, yes. So why don't we first start off with just introductions, mention your name, when you were born, and your relationship with Robert. Okay, well, my name is Amanda. Um, I was born in 1969. Um, as far as day and month, not quite sure, because <laughs> all record was lost during the war, so... Um, that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. I remember as a child, my relationship with Robert was quite special because I was a very timid and very shy young child, and I liked to follow him everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, You're the younger sister. I am his younger sister. Okay. And In relation to the whole family, so it goes ba, um, my other brother. Right. Yeah. Hatch, mm-hmm. and then living, um, me, right. and then uh, my younger sister, and then my latest youngest brother, who had passed away in 2009. Right. So um, so now there's just four of us. So I, um, I wanted to bring you in and just kind of weave you into the story, but definitely let's start off with the very beginning. Maybe just give me a little bit about your childhood. And going into what you remember of the Khmer Rouge, the very first memory of it. 
Okay. Um, at the beginning, of course, um, before uh, the Khmer Rouge took over, we right. were living in the city. We did try to escape. Um, we Everybody moved toward the Thai border. Uh, Robert wasn't with us at that time, so... Um, is my parents and um, other siblings without Robert. And we were waiting for him to cross uh, to Thai, into Thailand. Mm-hmm. But since Robert wasn't there, um, my parent didn't have the heart to leave without him. So all the family left and, um, you know, without Robert. We had to go back sorry it's okay (laughs) so we went back to um, the city um, where we were and I believe, I don't know the time frames, probably within the same week, um, all the soldiers came to town. And How old were you at this time? Probably seven. So um, I remember all the soldiers came in with guns and riding trucks, told everybody to leave. You know, just walk out, even though you have cars, you cannot take your cars. Um, You can only take whatever you can carry, and you just leave the town. So we were fortunate that our um, my grandparents on my mom's side had a house in the countryside. So we all, you know, carry what we can carry, and just everybody, you can imagine the whole town just exit the city and walking away from the city. And we seek refuge at my grandparents' house in the countryside. They had a big house. Um, so we went to stay there. Um, Do you remember the walk from the city to grandma's house? Yes, I just remember just a lot of people, just a lot of people exiting the city. It would take, I believe... I don't know how many hours I, um, three to four hours, I would think, um, from the city or, or probably longer. But I just remember, yeah, I just didn't understand, was really confused, was scared. And, um, yeah, and, you know, everybody just left. So at the beginning, at my grandparents' place, it was nice. They had a big house and then, we stay there for, I don't know the time frames. Um, at the beginning, it was fine. And then slowly, the Khmer Rouge, you know, started separating families, um, taking the older children to labor camp to brainwash. So then my brothers, old two older brothers, um, Robert and Hatch, were taken away. I was very small in stature physically, uh, you know, seven-year-old. So my parents did not want them to take me away. Uh, at, at age seven, they would take you away at that age as well to, quote, unquote, educate you. So another word, brainwash you. Mm-hmm. So 
my parents didn't think I would survive if they let them, you know, take me. So my mom decided to hide me from the system. So I was not allowed to just go out during the day. Um, I would just be hidden away from anybody. So let's let's kind of dive into that moment where do you remember when Mama had to stand there and lie to the Khmer Rouge and say, no, I don't have another daughter? Or do you remember that moment? Were you there? No, I just, I did not, you know, witness that part of it. But I was just told that I cannot, you know, go out. I need to stay hidden um, during the daytime or I would be taken away and never see them again. That's what Mama told you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I said, you know, I I, I was scared. So I, I, I was a very good child. I was very obedient. I listened and I stay away from people. And just pretty much my grandmother had a very uh, nice property. She had a big lake in the back lilies and lotus and so the house was situated near a stream and river so I occupy my time just you know kind of exploring nature but that's during the nighttime right you couldn't be out during the day well sometimes during the day I would go out too because there's nobody around to Mm -hmm. tell me so I would you know go out in the back um, where there's no people, I would go out. I was able to go out a little bit more freely, like go across the street into the river to bathe myself um, because you know, there's no inside bathroom or anything like that. So there's an outhouse and you shower, you take bath or um, you wash yourself in the river. So, What do you remember the very first time you had to hide and where were your hiding places? Were they mostly in closets or beds or where did mama tell you this is where you have to stay or else and try to make sure nobody sees you? Well, those quote unquote houses, um, they were like more like like a hutch. Right, like a hut. Yeah, a hut. um, straw. A straw hut. Yeah. mm -hmm. So there's no closet or anything. Um, It's built on stilts and you just have like uh, the floor and section off into different um, section for bedrooms. Like uh, there's not many places you can hide, but I just stay inside mm-hmm. and in plain sight. But if anybody come around, sometime I would go out into the back and t- to hide in whatever. Uh, one time I was hiding in the in the field outside mm-hmm. uh, the back and. During the the winter time, there's some water back there, so I remember just hiding, like just submerging myself and just um, hiding in between the sugar canes. Mm. I think that's like a sugar cane, so kind of just hiding in in between when they do come around and and search. That's lucky that you never got caught. Right. So I remember there was a couple of times there was questioning about it and my mom would lie saying, oh, she was just here for the day or, or something. And she's like, you know, she's going back and then, you know, I would disappear again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So since I wasn't um, registered in the systems, you have to go to a 
cafeteria during the war. Um, this is like probably in the trench of it, like a couple years in. At the beginning, it was fine. But toward the mill and toward the end, um, food kept getting more scarce. That's mm-hmm. like there's not much food. Were you still at grandma's place at this time? Oh, yeah. Two years in? No, no. So at the beginning, we, uh, yeah, we stay at the grandmother's and then, and then they would make you leave that property. It was a nice property. So they just, you know, you just need to leave. At what point was that at? I would think probably a year in. I'm not sure. Probably Robert probably has more recollection. So we moved to a different place. They put us in a different location. And what was that place like? Again, just another another hut. hut. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a smaller um, hut, so right. they made my grandparents um, leave also. So they took over their properties, right? And then just kicked them all out, right? So you were at this new location um, mm-hmm. after about a year in, and you still had to hide. Mm-hmm. You had to find new hiding places at this new location. Or I guess there's really, as I said, there's really no hiding places. Like, yeah. it's just kind of like if they happen to catch you, they catch you. Right. 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 So, um, but all this time you were very, very lucky. You figured out a way, I guess, because maybe you were smaller too and you were able to get out quickly or. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, um, I was very small. So, you know. Um, they probably didn't think too much of it. And then plus I stayed out of plane sight um, mm-hmm. during the day. Mm-hmm. And when they moved my parent from location to location to work, different type of work camps, I remember being with them, but at the same time, yeah, not with them. So right. they they would go off into the work field during the day. I would just stay hidden, you know, where whichever location we happened to be. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, not much interaction with other children. Or again, there were no children around except for the very, very small, the adults, and then the elderly. So. Mm-hmm. Must have been very lonely. Yeah, so, you know, I look into being, you know, entertain myself with nature, with whatever I can find around. What is one one memory that you really, that you remember from that time period? How were you feeling on a day-to-day basis? I mean, daily routine must have just been waking up and just trying to avoid people. And you don't get to really see people throughout the day. Mama and yeah, yeah, are out. Yeah, I just, you know, it, it was a lot of fear. Of course, every day is about survival. Every day is looking for a way to um, not get caught or get killed. Um, of course, I mean, during the war, there's also a lot of fighting going on as well, other than just, you know, hiding and try to survive and having food. Um, but also another thing is running away from bombs as well. Mm. So I, there's one part I remember, like, you know, in the middle of the night and then, you know, in there you just hear bombing. So then you just get up and start running. So, you know, I don't know where to run. You just run out into the field and just hoping that you, you survive. So I remember some of those parts, um, which, again, um, 
that stay with me and that part, like even after we came to the United States, it's still, I think I probably had three or four years of nightmare. Like, you know, especially during 4th of July, when you hear firework, I would Mm -hmm. start get up and it's just automatic. I would jump out of bed and start running. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Every day was just about survival. Not being able to be a part of the system means that you don't get food portions correct yes you have to be registered Um, they have leaders per each section of the town you have to go to a cafeteria like to get your meals Um, since I'm not in the system um, I don't go into the cafeteria to get portion of my meal so I rely on um, my parents to bring food back home and there's not much most the time it's just um, some rice um, where they get they get porridge and mom and my grandmother would just save some of the rice portion put it in their pocket and bring it back um, to feed me And do you remember one instance? Right. Um, This one scene that will forever stay with me is the part. When I witnessed my grandmother, she's she's very, you know, she's old and I know she was hungry. But she still gave me her portion and I remember her flipping out her pocket and trying to pick. just any leftover pieces of rice that got stuck into her pocket to eat. So at that moment, it really struck me, even though as a child, what sacrifices my parents and my grandmother made to keep me alive. I am forever grateful for them. But that moment has just struck me in the heart. Um, What they did for me. You guys, wasn't that something? I remember recording that episode and feeling like my heart was dropping to the ground. I mean, there were many points recording this show that I'd felt that way, but definitely my Auntie Amanda bringing that up was 
one of them. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. If you guys are, I would love, please, if you can subscribe and leave a wonderful review for us. That makes it super easy for other people to find us and kind of tune in on the shows as well. Um, If you guys have any questions or if you wanted to check us out, we are online at www.deathincambodiapodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and I will catch you guys next week.